Spirit, right now. Holy Spirit, reveal yourself to us. We thank you, God, for your presence. We thank you that you know everything that we need even before we ask, oh God. Father, we want to know you better. We want to know your heart. But we surrender everything to you. Make it so well, make it 
aware of your presence. Make us aware of your voice at a greater level. Lord, we ask, God, that you would just minister to every need. We ask that you would bring healing. God, that you would bring restoration. God, to every situation, every circumstance, we cancel the attacks and the plots of the enemy against us, against our family. In the name of Jesus, we give you glory. We give you praise for the victory has already been won. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to move right on into communion. We're going to serve you corporately uh, together. And as we are transitioning into this part, I'm going to read some from my notes here. Um, if I can get my phone open. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God, for the power that's in your blood. Thank you, God, for who you are. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that there's nothing that's too difficult for you. You know, communion was never intended to be a ritual or to be just remembered as a past event. But Christ intended for life to be released during communion. It's not to be that, yes, we reflect on the reason in which we have communion, but Christ intended for every single time that we take communion, that life begins to transfer to our bodies, to our situations supernaturally. And so as a result of our obedience, that's how life is activated in our life. And so in the kingdom, physical obedience produces spiritual release. I'm going to say that again, that when we are physically obedient, it releases something supernatural. So when we, when we partake of communion corporately or even not corporately in our home, you know, in our home, we take communion. We believe, you know, especially if there's a physical need, a healing in our body, that there's several times that Josh and I will take communion just in our home because we believe it's not just something that's a past event, but we believe that life is transferred and activated, uh, activated into our life as a result of our obedience. God releases power supernaturally as a, as a result of our physical obedience. Amen. And so we believe that. We believe that in just a few moments, if those of you who are worshiping with us at home, if you may not have communion with you, but you can grab uh, crackers or bread or some type of beverage that you can, we encourage you to partake with us corporately in-house as we are getting our um, communion together. Give me one just... One moment, we get this ready. And so the bread represents the body, the broken body of Jesus. And so when we partake of communion, I break the bread. I break the bread because that was Christ's body that was broken for us. Amen. He paid the price. And so we break the body. We understand that by his stripes, the word says we were healed. We were, it was already done that we were healed. And so I, I just want to challenge us today to make a faith declaration that I am healed. Lord, I thank you that by your stripes that Bethany was already healed. I thank you today that Joshua was already healed, that Bo was already healed. I uh, thank you, God, for your, uh, for your healing power. I thank you, Jesus, God, for the power that we have in communion, that we were already healed. And so this body, 
when we break it, we remember the body that was broken for us. Amen. I thank you, Jesus, for the body that was broken for us. I thank you, Lord, God, for your healing that we can partake of. God, I thank you, Lord Jesus. So why don't we just hold up the bread and just go ahead and just break it and just begin to prophetically declare that the body was broken for us. Amen. That we were already healed that we were already healed. Come on, just begin to declare those situations, those people that you are concerned about for their healing. Lord, I thank you that, and put their name there. They were already healed. This is a declaration. Communion is life activation in our life. And as we are obedient, then there's something supernatural that is released. And so as we break, as we've already broken our bread, we decree that by his stripes, we were. It's already been paid. Jesus made a payment for the miracle that you need. He already made that payment. Some of us, we need a miracle in our finances. Some of us need a miracle in our physical body. Some of us need a miracle in other situations. God already provided for that miracle. Christ paid the, the price for that. So this is not symbolic, but this is life. This is life. We thank you. Why don't we partake of the bread together? Thank you, Jesus. In the blood of Jesus, if you want to open up the juice this morning. The blood of Jesus sets us free. And there would not there would be no remission, no forgiveness of our sins if it wasn't for the shedding of the blood. There had to be blood that was shed that in order for us to be forgiven, in order for us to have an opportunity for eternal life. And and you know, the blood is something that I decree and I prophesy and I declare over my family, over myself every single day. And, and even in my prayer, I, I call out the names of my family members and I say, Lord, I plead your blood over me, over Josh, over Bo, over Miss Jeannie, over my mom, dad, Brandon Rochelle, Maddox Marshall, Val, Sarah, Andrew, Bilbo's, Gorman's, Dillman's, Galatis, Legende families. I call them out by name because I understand the power that is in pleading the blood over my family. And, and so I just want, why don't we just do that right now? Lord, we just plead the blood over our family. We plead your blood over every uh, family member that we have, those that are connected to our life. We plead your blood over them. We cancel every assignment of the enemy off of them. I thank you that nothing can cross the bloodline of Jesus. I thank you that there is not only forgiveness of sins in the blood, but there is protection that is in the blood. I thank you, Lord. Lord Jesus, that you will keep us from every sickness, from every disease, and that it shall not harm us. I thank you, Lord Jesus, for that. We just declare that. We declare this is a life. Why don't we drink of the juice together? Lord, we thank you for the power. We thank you that this is not a past event that we are just reflecting on, but we believe and we know this is life to us. When we partake of communion, that we are partaking of healing. We are activating healing. We are activating your power in our life. We thank you for what you're going to do. We thank you for what you have done, but we are expectant of what's to come. We give you glory. We give you praise in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. We're so glad that each of you are here and we know that God has a miracle for you. Amen. Hallelujah. He is a faithful God. Thank you, Jesus. Good morning. We're going to give real quick if you can stay in the atmosphere of worship. And uh, I'm going to read to you Proverbs chapter 10, verse 5. 
And it says, he who gathers crops in the summer is a prudent son. But he who sleeps during harvest is a disgraceful son. I'm going to tell you right now, the world is ripe for harvest. Amen. Come on. You know, we are living in a time and a season where everything seems out of whack and people are looking for stability. Amen. But our stability is only going to come through the Lord God. And, 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 in a, and Jesus even says, he says, while, and I'm going to paraphrase it, but he says, while there's light, let the workers work. He said, but when darkness comes, they can no longer work. And the Proverbs is speaking the same thing. While the summer is here. Come on, why the light is still here, why there is still opportunity, it is time for the sons and the daughters of God to reach out and bring a harvest into the kingdom. Well, I'll tell you, the, the, the apostles and the prophets of the church have been prophesying for years and years, and we're getting into that place that there is going to be a billion soul harvest into the kingdom of God. That's roughly one-sixth of the earth's population. Come on. And, and so I, I just believe that we're in that season and, 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 and we have opportunity per, to partake in that or we have opportunity to stay sleeping and, and miss out on what God's doing. So anyway, I, I challenge you as we give, it's not only just to give, to just bring 10% of your gross income into the house, amen, but it's a time to worship God. Truly worship him. Come on, when, I don't want you to give if your heart's not there, but if, if you're ready to worship God, come on. If you're ready to, to bestow honor on the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, come on, the one that, that hung on a cross for you and I and, and, where, and where I couldn't make up the gap, come on, he stepped in and said, it's okay, I have redeemed your past, come on, your future is secure, your life is in my hands, I have marked the times and seasons for you, come on, I have a way where there seems to be no way and in the desert place I'm going to fill it with water and when it seems impossible and you feel like you've given up and, and I just release hope on the camera today that that some of you may be watching, you may feel hopeless, that where it seems just like it's just a little bit too much, it's then that I'm going to step in with my Holy Spirit. Amen. Come on, because I am the way maker. Come on. I am the resurrection in life. And if even though it's dead, come on, I can breathe life back into it and it could be resurrected. Father, we just thank you for the opportunity to give, Lord, that you are the resurrection that you are the life. And Father, you paid a way for your people. Father, I thank you that, that we come and we worship you. And Father, we just don't give out a ritualistic, but we give out a worship. We give out an admiration. We give out of honor. We praise you, Lord. We worship you. Father, may you take great joy in our giving. In Jesus' name. Amen. As you're giving this morning, I just want to encourage you. We've begun a new series today as we've begun this month of October. And the name of our series is Unafraid. I don't know about you, but I can tell you that most people that I know, including myself, within every given week of my life, sometimes it might even be every day, there are opportunities for fear to come in. 
and it could be from um, from you know re regarding your finances. It could be regarding uh, situations of. Typically, it's the concern about the unknown, things that we don't know, and we don't know how to predict what's around the corner and what's about to happen. Could be fear regarding your children or regarding a health report or, or just a myriad of things regarding your job. And I want to tell you that this month, we're going to be focusing on topics that are going to help you. And you may say to yourselves this morning, you may say, how can I combat this overwhelming uh, spirit and presence of fear that's trying to come in. Fear can be suffocating. The Bible says that, that in the last days, men's hearts will fail them because of fear. And so fear can actually come in and have like a suffocating type effect on you if you allow it to do so. But how can I combat that? And that's by using the word of God. Jesus himself overcame the attacks of the enemy by using scripture. When he had uh, fasted and he was in the, the wilderness and the enemy came, how did Jesus combat the forces of the enemy? It was by quoting the word of God. And I'm encouraging you to quote the word of God. You need to look up some verses that will talk to you about who you are in Christ. If I know who I am, then I understand the authority that I have. And I understand that even though fearful situations may be raging around me, I do not have to yield or succumb to that. And so as I come to an awareness of that, then I can stand strong in my faith and in my confidence of who God is in me. And I can flow with that. And I can, I can no matter what's going on around me, I can still have hope. Josh was saying a moment ago as he was praying God, and, and challenging you, he said, I'm, I'm releasing hope. And we are releasing hope. And to those of you in this room, we're releasing hope into every situation attached to you. And to those of you that are watching online we are releasing hope jesus christ is our hope he is our peace he is our source our confidence our way maker and he loves you and he loves you with an everlasting love and he wants to come in and prove to you and manifest to you the supernatural peace of the holy spirit so you need to join with us i encourage you to in saying I am unafraid because I know who I am in Christ. I'm unafraid because I know my authority in Christ. He loves me. He's fighting for me. I'm not going to give up. I'm going to plow through every challenge because God's on my side. We love you. We're praying you have a blessed week. We are in the last quarter of the year. My friend was telling me the other day, we're in the last quarter of the year. I said, that's so true. And I don't usually think about it divided like that. But this has been a challenging year for many. But in spite of that, God was not surprised by anything that came our way. And God has already equipped us for victory in every battle. And we can close out this year with confidence and unafraid because Jesus Christ is with us. Have a blessed week. Pastor is about to bring forth an awesome word of encouragement to you. Open up your heart. Be ready to receive. And we'll see you again on Tuesday night. Remember, this week we have in-person services. So if you're able to join us, join us Tuesday night in New Orleans and Wednesday night here in Gonzales at our campus here. All right. Good morning. It's a good day. Amen. The word says, this is the day the Lord's made, and I'm going to rejoice and be glad in it. So we have to determine and make up our mind 
that we're going to rejoice in the Lord no matter what situation that we're going through or the circumstances that surround our lives. I want to go into uh, Jeremiah chapter 29, which is a very familiar passage for a lot of us. And uh, I want to uh, look at some things here, but we, we're going to challenge ourselves today and uh, begin to move into what I believe it, that is the will of God, okay? And so we look at promises, and uh, God has a lot of promises for us. It's up to us to discover the promises that he, he has written in his word. And uh, as we do so, then we have to prepare for his promises to be fulfilled in our life. Now, Je Jeremiah 29, I want to begin to read in, in uh, uh, verse 8. For thus says the Lord of hosts, uh, the God of Israel, let not your prophets and your diviners that be in the midst of you deceive you, neither hearken to your dreams which ye, have, which, which ye cause to be dreamed. For they prophesy falsely unto you in, the, in, in my name, and I have not sent them, saith the Lord. This is an interesting, interesting word that's being spoken to Jeremiah. And uh, it's being spoken here. And, and the prophetic word that comes out is a warning. I believe that in our times that we have today, there's every whatnot that has come off the wall wanting to prophesy something about our destiny. And, and wanting to, to talk about this is the end of time and it's uh, the end of the world and all of these things. It seems like that everything that comes out of their mouth is so negative and so destructive. You know, the um, uh, United States is going to hell in a handbasket, basically, is what they're saying. It's over with. And I say to that baloney, I believe that God has great things in store for this nation, and I believe he has great things in store for us as individuals. Amen. So what I'm saying here is the same word that is given here. Um, he's saying, don't let your diviners prophesy and don't let them prophesy off of your dreams begin to hear the word of the lord and that's where we need to focus we need to hear what god is saying and hear what god has purpose for our life as individuals and look at the promises that god has for us and so as we do so then we begin to understand that god has great plans for us he has great plans for this nation now i want to go down to verse 10 and 11 for thus saith the lord that after 70 years you be accomplished at, uh, at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word toward you in causing you to return to this place. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you. Let me tell you something. When, when, when God begins to speak, he's speaking of plans that he has already thought for us. Now I want to go back to this part here. And begin to look and see where that a mother, before she delivers a child, is preparing a place for that child to live. When, when we were, when we were uh, at the stage of having children, my wife, it didn't take much, but she began to, to understand that she was with child, and being with child begin to put her in the stage of preparing rooms, buying clothes, buying stuff that was cute for children, and uh, 
And then we had showers that people began to gather to celebrate that. But there was a preparation, a preparation for the child to come into the world. Now, I want to say this, that we prepare for children coming into the world. But do you prepare for the promises of God coming into the world? Now, I believe that God has promises for every one of us. And if we could take time preparing for children, which we need to, we need to prepare for their future. We need to prepare uh, a, a nesting place. We need to prepare uh, where they're comfortable, where that, uh, and, and throughout their life, we're preparing and we're making way for them. But do you and do I make plans for the promises of God to come into our life. And I'm going to go into some scripture and show you some things that we need to do here. It says, then shall, then shall ye call upon me, and he sh ye shall go and pray unto me, and I will hearken unto you. Now, what, what, is, he, what is he saying? He, he's saying this as a response of the preparation for him uh, that we need to prepare. He says, then ye shall call upon me, and ye shall uh, uh, go and, and pray unto me, and I will hearken unto you. And ye shall seek me and find me, and when ye shall search for me uh, with all your heart, and I will be found of you, saith the Lord, and I will return away your captivity, and I will gather you from all the nations and from all the places whether thou have, have, dri have driven you, uh, saith the Lord. And I will bring you again into this place which, cause, which I cause you to uh, be carried away captive. <coughs> now, in this, we understand that God had his hand in his life in every step of the way. And I believe that God has his hand in our life every step of the way. Now, can we abort where we're going? Can we abort the promises of God? I believe that we can. I believe that we can miss what God wants us to do by not preparing for our future. When there's a promise that comes, we need to begin to prepare. We need to, to, to move into a place that there is such preparation that we're seeking God, we're calling upon his name, and we're allowing him to so work in us that we're seeing great things being established in our life. Now I want to go into um, uh, Isaiah chapter 54 and, uh, and look uh, there for a moment. Isaiah 54 <clears throat> and verse 2. It says, Enlarge the place of thy tent, and let them stretch forth curtains of thine habitation. Spare not, lengthen thy cords, and strengthen thy stakes. For thou shalt break forth on the right, on the right hand, and on the left hand, and thy seed shall inherit the Gentiles and make the desolate cities to be thine habitation or inhabitants. Now, when we look at different scriptures here, we're seeing all oh, this is Old Testament. And some people say, well, we need to, we need to look at the New Testament. We, we may get there to the New Testament today, but there's so many examples in the Word of God that if we just take time to understand what, was, what God was saying in scripture in those days, the same application works for us also. So I just read in Jeremiah 
I know the thoughts that I have for you. I know the plans I have made for you. I know all of these things that I have already prepared for you, just like a mother prepares for a child coming into the world. There was preparation that God has already made for Jeremiah to enter into the world. The same thing is for you and I, that God has already made plans for you and I. It's not by chance that we're living in 2020. Why, why, why is it now? Why is it this time? Why wasn't it in the 1800s or the 1700s? No, God had a plan for you in this season and this time, and you were ones that was chosen to walk out this time. Now, what we have to do is find the plans that God has for us. He has already prepared for us our future. He's already prepared for us our destiny. And we've been talking several weeks now about our destiny, about having revelation of who we are, about moving into a place where that we can perceive the word of God over our life. Now, when we begin to perceive and we begin to understand who we are and understand the destiny that God has for us, then we need to start making a place for that. We need to expand our tents. We need to expand our cords and strengthen the tent pegs. Why? Because what God is about to pour into our life, where we are right now, will not be able to contain what God is about to pour into our life. So this is a word of encouragement for us that even in the times that we're living in, don't shrink back. Don't go backwards. Let's move forwards in the things that God has for us. And move forward uh, is the ability to have a perception of where we're going and understand the destiny that God has for us. I talked about Joseph, how that Joseph had dreams of where God wanted him. He began to see the end in his beginning. And at, that's what kept him fighting, even though he was thrown into a pit. He was lied about by his brothers. They stripped him down. They sold him into slavery. Slavery moves him to another place. They now is in Potiphar's house. Potiphar's wife lies on him. He now goes into prison, but he never lost his integrity and he didn't lose his character. In fact, what he did was he used the, uh, uh, the situation that he was in to interpret dreams. So he's in prison and he's interpreting dreams and his, his gifting made a way for him. His gifting caused Potiphar to reach into the prison based upon what he heard about a man named Joseph in prison interpreting dream, pulls him out to interpret his dream. And as a result of his interpretations and the fulfillment of these things, Joseph now is placed second in command in all of Egypt. Powerful story. He saw the end in his beginning. We need to perceive where we're going. We need to perceive the end in our now. So along the way, as we're going from one storm to another storm, it gives us the ability to fight with the resources in our future to pull it into our now, to fight a good fight of faith so we can end up in the end where Paul says, I have run a good race. He says, I turn loose of the things in the past and I'm reaching for the things in the future. In other words, he's saying, I understand what my, my end is 
in my now, and it gives me the ability to run a good race and to fight a good fight. This is what Joseph did. He ran a good race. He fought a good fight with the end in mind. We have to keep the end in mind. Now, some people will say, well, I'm keeping the end in mind. I'm living the way I need to live so I can get to heaven. <clears throat> I'm not talking about your journey to heaven. I'm talking about your journey to the destiny of what God has designed you for in fulfilling the purpose in this land, in this earth, in this time. Not talking about eternity. I'm talking about in your time now. It's going to be great when we go into eternity and we see, stand with the Lord. But what are you doing with your future? What are you doing with the purpose that God has designed you for to live out in this life so that you are complete in the end and you can say like Paul says, I have run a good race. I have fought a good fight. And now, now I've come to the place that this is my end in this walk. And now you're ready to go into eternity fulfilled with knowing you have completed what God has put in your heart and put in your life to accomplish. Enlarge your place of thy heart, of thy tent, and let them stretch forth the curtains of thine habitation. Spare not, lengthen thy cords, and strengthen thy stakes. Now that sounds to me as though the Lord is saying, I want you to expand and get ready for what I'm about to bring into your tent, into the place of your inhabitants, into the place where you're dwelling, where that you can expand and be able to hold, the, hold what God is about to bring in your life, that you have the capacity to bring it in and be able to contain what God has for you. I believe that in our life, there are times that we begin to expand. There are times that we allow the presence of God to work in us, but we have to work on ourselves to expand ourselves so we have the capacity to handle what God is about to bring into our life. The scripture says to us, for these light afflictions are only for a moment, but they're working in us for a far more heavier weight of eternal glory. Now, when I look at that passage, these light afflictions are only for a moment. But what they're actually doing is they're working in our lives, strengthening us so that we have the capacity to handle the glory of God when he pours it into our life. The word tells us by, the, by example in that scripture that the glory of God is not a light thing. It's a heavy thing. And he brings us through afflictions, whether we like it or not. We are going through stuff that is strengthening us. There are things that have taken place in my life that I look back and say, wow, I'm certainly glad that I'm not the person I was back then because there's no way I can handle what I'm going through right now or what God has brought into my life to be able to handle in his glory. Is that making sense, what I'm saying here? So there's expansion that takes place. There's processes in our life that begin to take place that helps build us in character, build us in strength, builds us where that we will not compromise uh, our anointings, 
or our destiny. I think that um, our destiny is very important, that we know where we're going and we know what to do when we get there. Now, the process of knowing what to do when we get there is every little trial that we have gone through. So we go from one level of faith to another level of faith. And if you're trying to operate on a higher level and have the same faith that you had when you were younger, it's not going to work. You have to grow in your faith. You have to grow in your position. You have to grow in your anointing. You have to grow in every aspect of what God is bringing into your life. So he allows us to go through some struggles. And, and it seems like, man, is there any other kind of way you could teach me, God? It's through the struggles that we understand who we are, that we understand what capacity we have inside of us. And if we fail that test, it seems like we have to repeat that grade again. We have to repeat that stage again until we understand who we are and where we're going and graduate from that level. So we go from one level of faith to the next level of faith, preparing us for a greater level of faith. For these light afflictions are only for a moment, even though some of the afflictions that we've gone through seem like an eternity while we're in it. They're working in us for a far more exceeding weight of eternal glory. So he's putting us through a workout, if you will, to strengthen us spiritually, soulishly, and fleshly so that we will be able to accomplish what he has called us to do because your, your, your destiny is a whole lot greater than your beginnings. The end is going to be a whole lot greater than your shortcomings or the small places where you think you might, might be at. He brings you to that place where that you have grown so that you can handle the position or the place that he wants you to occupy. And so we see that in scriptures here uh, uh, as we've gone through, through different words here. Now I want to go into 2 Kings. <clears throat> And I want to look, uh, look at chapter 3, 2 Kings chapter 3. I want to read you a little bit of a story here. And just to set the stages here, the kings were in trouble. They were going to battle. They were going to war. But they had no water to, to supply need for all of the soldiers and all of the animals. And so what did they do? They began to look for a prophet. And they find a prophet, and they, they begin to explain to him what's going on. And the prophet has a strange word. And it seems like that the words that God gives us always test our faith. It always stretches us for another level. It stretches us for a whole different uh a place where, we, where we're trying to grab a hold of whatever strength we can find so that we can endure and be able to walk through these things. Now, this is an interesting word. He says, and he said, Thus saith the Lord, Make this valley full of ditches. For thus saith the Lord, Ye shall not see wind, neither shall ye see rain. Yet that valley shall be filled with water, that ye may drink, both ye and your cattle and your beast. 
and this is but a light thing in the sight of the Lord, he will deliver the Moabites also into your hand, and ye shall smite every fenced city, every choice city, and shall fell every good tree, and stop all the wells of water, mar every good piece of land with stone. And it shall come to pass in the morning, when the meat offerings was offered, that behold, there came water by the way of Edom, and the country was filled with water. Now this is interesting here because Israel is it was looking at the weather reports, if you will. They were, they were looking at the skies. They were looking at the wind to see if it was blowing in the right direction so that the rain would begin to, to come up and then they would rejoice. And God says to them, it's not coming in the fashion that you think it's going to come. It's not coming in the way that, that you can predict. It's going to come from a place that you think would be so restricted from giving you water, but I'm going to cause it to come out of Edom to supply your need. Now, Edom was a world place, if you will. And he's saying, I'm going to cause water to come from a place that's most unlikely to come from. Now, I'm going to tell you, there's a lot of times where we look and we start looking for signs and we start looking for our comfort zones. And, and God says, it's not coming out of your comfort zone. It's not coming out of the place that you can predict. It's going to come from a place that's most unlikely. And I think sometimes we look in the wrong places because we, 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 we think we have figured God out. And then God shows up and gives us insight and says, don't look to the things that you're comfortable in looking to. Don't look to the wind. Don't look to see the wind blowing. Don't look to the rain coming because it's not coming in the typical of what you would think it's going to come in. But then he says, dig ditches. In other words, don't just you get out there and dig a ditch, but get your whole family out there digging ditches and all of the people digging ditches because how you dig the ditch and how wide and how deep the ditches are is going to determine how you can contain what I'm about to bring forth in your life. So they got out and they started digging ditches. Now, there's always a question in our mind. If I would have just dug a little bit more, then I would have a little bit more. If I would have just prepared a little bit more in me, then he could have poured a little bit more in me. I would have had the capacity to handle more. It reminds me of a story where that a king is in trouble again. And he goes and pulls Elisha off of his deathbed and says, the Assyrians, the Assyrians are coming and I need a word. And the prophet gets off of his deathbed and says, get your bow and get your arrows and bring them here. And he opens up the window that's facing Israel, and he shoots an arrow. <clears throat> and the word says that, that the prophet put his hand on his hand, and they drew the arrow, and they shot it out eastward. Now, it's interesting here that the next step that the prophet tells him is to take the other arrows and beat them on the ground. Now, these arrows, the prophet gave them names. There was one deliverance was one of the names on the arrow. He said, I will bring deliverance. 
And he takes the arrows and he strikes them on the ground three times. And the word says, which I think is a very strange expression or a strange response from the prophet, because he was mad that the, the king only took the arrows and hit him three times. And he says to the king, if you would have taken the arrows and smote the ground four or five times, then you would have not annihilated Syria. But because you only struck them three times, you're only going to win three battles. And then they're going to conquer you. Now, was it in the, in the king to take and strike it two more times? Why did he stop at three? I wonder, I wonder when we're looking at, uh, um, as the prophet was speaking to, to, to the people there, the king, and said, dig ditches. I wonder if their capacity was, was caught up in their strength naturally, and they didn't push themselves more to dig wider ditches so that when the water came out of Edom, that they would have had more water captured of what God wanted to bring in their life. Here's a, here's a question that we will not, never be answered until we get into eternity to understand how much water they were able to hold. Why did the king stop at three, uh, uh, three times striking the ground with the arrows? He said if you would have smote the ground four or five times, in other words, if you had kept going, you would have annihilated Syria, but now you're only going to win three, three battles and then you're going to lose. How would you like to have been the generation based upon that king's response to the word that you have a win, a win, a win, and now you're in the next generation that now loses because some man didn't have the fortitude or didn't have the energy to strike the ground four or five times or in his own mind, He's saying, I don't need to keep hitting this ground. This is foolish. This is silly. My point here today is when the promises of God come into our life, either by reading the word of God, there are promises that, that we extract from the scriptures here. Are we preparing and are we digging ditches to prepare ourselves for the outpouring of God's spirit? And are we prepared for what God is about to bring into our life? You know, so the word comes and we know that our future is going to be greater than our past. Are we preparing for our future? Are we preparing for our tomorrow? Or have we only prepared for three days, three battles? And then when the fourth battle comes, we wasn't prepared for that one. You know, my point here that I'm trying to make to us is that the promises of God are true. But how we respond to his word determines how far, how deep, how wide we have the capacity to handle what he's bringing into our life. If we begin to prepare ourselves... The word said to, to Jeremiah, and when you pray, and when you seek me, you'll find me. And when you cry out to me, I will answer. And I will bring you back to the place that you were stricken from, that you were brought out of. I'm going to bring you back, and I'm going to position you in that place for your destiny. You see, it seems like 
that everything in our life contradicts where we're going. The battles that we go through contradicts where we're headed. You know, there are words that are given to us that says, you know, we're going to prosper. In fact, the word tells us, I wish above all that you would prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. It might be a problem with our soul condition that we're not prospering the way we need to prosper, that we're not healthy the way we need to be healthy. And so a lot of it is conditional based upon how we respond to the word of God. How are you responding to his word? When the word says that he's going to deliver you, are you preparing yourself for that deliverance? Are you preparing yourself for that exit? When Moses came and told the Pharaoh of the time, let my people go, and he didn't want to let them go. But their promise was a land that was theirs. They were in slavery. They were in bondage. But they had a promise that God had for them called the promised land. And every time Moses came to get them out, Pharaoh made it harder on them. It seems like there are times that when we're going for our destiny, that the enemy makes things harder for us before we enter into our promises. So it seems like that I can say that in the battles that I go through, based upon the intensity of that battle, begins to give an indication that I'm getting closer to my destiny, so I need to push through. I need to dig a deeper ditch, a wider ditch, a longer ditch. I need to beat the arrows more on the ground. I need to respond to the Word of God with a crazy response that puts me off the charts in responding. You see, how you respond to the Word of God determines how far you will go and what his promises that he has made to you. He says to Jeremiah, I know the thoughts that I have for you. I know what I have already set before you, before you entered into your mother's womb. You see, before you and I was a twinkle in our parents' eyes, God had already set the stage for you and I to enter into this world. When you look at the possibilities when we are born, how is it that God took one sperm cell out of the millions and brings it into that egg and you and I come out of that formation? Because God, God has a plan for you. He has a plan for your life. He has a destiny for you. And you were selected to come into this world in this time, in this season, not just to occupy, not just to be here, but to have dominion, to multiply, to subdue, to take charge of, of the territory that God has given to you and to grow into what God has for you so that you can expand your tent Expand your stake, strengthen your stake, expand the cords, because God is bringing increase. <coughs> increase in our life. I hope that this message is challenging, and I hope that 
is causing you to get your eyes off of your trouble and get your eyes on the promises that God has for you. When you get your eyes on the promises, it's easier to fight in the battle. I go to David's life, and David was a shepherd boy. Samuel comes to, to Jesse's house. Jesse brings all of his sons except David. He leaves him on the shepherd field. And Samuel says, do you have another child? Do you have another son? He says, well, I got one. He's out on the field here. He said, go get him. I will not sit down until he comes. In other words, he's not going to release this word until the right one gets there. And, and Samuel began to prophesy <coughs> over David's life. <coughs> over David's life. He tells him he's going to be king over Israel. David, his life alone was a contradiction to the word of God because he didn't have a lineage of kings. He wasn't born a prince. He's a shepherd boy. So how is God going to change this? So he puts him in a battle with a lion. He puts him in a battle with a bear. He takes the, the lion by the beard and he's, he kills the lion, kills the bear. And David understands that he has authority over the beast of the field. Then his father says, I want you to go and check on your brothers. He goes to the valley where they're, they're engaged in talks, but there's a war that's about to take place. And David comes as his father uh, instructs him. He goes and checks on his brother, and he hears this giant coming out on the field mocking Israel. Now, you got to keep in mind that David's experiences prepared him for this moment. The lion and the bear, the beast of the field. And Goliath comes out taunting Israel, and something rose up in David. His destiny rose up in David when he heard what was going to be given to the man that slays Goliath. He says, I'm going to give you my daughter. I'm going to cause you and your family to be tax-free. He says, oh, the promises, number one, I'm going to give you, who, whoever uh, destroys Goliath, I'm going to give him the hand of my daughter. That's all David needed to hear. Forget about the taxes, because he's going to be in the palace. His word now is now facing him, the one that Samuel gave to him, his destiny, the end, is now in his present. And he called, pulls the resources of of, of being king, the prophecy of being king, into his now to give him the strength to, to defeat Goliath. And Goliath, he says, I'll fight him. I'll fight him. I'll go out there. The king puts on it, says, take my sword, take my coat of mail. And he tries it on, and it doesn't fit him right now. And he goes, he says, look, I'm going to take my slingshot and my staff because I've proven this, but I haven't proven your sword, and I haven't proven your coat of mail. He says, I'm going to take what I'm familiar with. Let me tell you, there's a lot of people that will want you to, to take on uh, um, the thoughts of somebody else's anointing. You can't take somebody else's anointing. You've got your own. Work your own. Work your own gift. And David says, I'm going to take mine. I'm going to get out on the battlefield, and I'm going to slay him. He goes out, and Goliath is mad. He says, what are you going to send me 
a, a, a boy, a teenage boy to come and fight? You sending me a dog to come and fight me? Goliath says, I'm going to feed your carcass to the beast of the field. David already knew he had authority over the beast of the field. When you understand where your authority is, then you can fight the battle you need to fight. And David takes one of the smooth stones that he pulled out of the brook, puts it in a slingshot, and he starts whirling this thing around and starts running towards Goliath. <clears throat> right before he did this, he tells Goliath, he says, this day, I will decapitate you. I will remove your head from your shoulders and, and the beast of the field will come and eat your carcass. Knowing he had authority, he now begins to run towards this giant, knocks him down and takes Goliath's own sword and chops his head off. Now, that sounds gruesome. I'm trying to say gruesome and gross at the same time. It's gruesome. It's, it, for a church service, it sounds pretty rough. But in order for us as individuals to get to our destiny, you're going to have to get rough. You're going to have to get rough with the enemy. You're going to have to get rough with the devil. You cannot allow him to play games with you and threaten you. When you get into a place that you're ready to war against the enemy, the Lord will be on your side. And David goes and he slays Goliath. Now, what happened in this? By him killing this Goliath, he now gets the hand of Saul's daughter that now causes him to enter into the palace. Now he has a straight path to becoming king now. You see how this thing works? David started as a shepherd boy. He fought a bear and he fought a lion and he won. God tells, tells the different ones that we read about in scripture, dig ditches. Take the arrows, smite the arrows. Broaden your tents. He's saying, get yourself prepared for in capacity for my outpouring of my spirit. So we have to stretch ourselves by getting into the word of God so that I can have faith for a level that is my destiny and my purpose. And when I start stretching myself with the word, my faith grows. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. <laughs> When David gets out on the battlefield, all he is hearing is, this is the moment for you to have access to the palace. And when you slay this giant, part of that word is going to be fulfilled in your life to get you knocking on the door for your destiny. We know the story, David becomes king. We understand all the mockery that took place, even from his wife, uh, Micah, she sees him dancing in the street, and now she's trying to mock him and say, trying to belittle him. And he says to her, let me tell you about my destiny. He says, you think that was dancing was, was rough? He said, wait till you see me dance next time. In other words, he wasn't, he wasn't going to allow even the closest people to him 
to stop him from entering into his destiny. You see, there are many people in our life that will try to keep you from entering into your destiny and your purpose, and some may be very close to you. So you have to be fixed on where you're going. You have to be fixed on your destiny, on your purpose, or any old thing can talk you out of going into what God has for you. Get yourself focused on the promises of God and don't be persuaded any other way. Let God rule in your life and let God perform his promises in your life as you begin to prepare yourself by digging your ditches as wide, as long, and as deep as you can. By taking the arrows and beating them until they become splinters. By taking your tent and taking the curtains of your tent and spreading it out even further, extending your cords to the tent and strengthening your stakes because what God is about to pour into your life as a believer is going to astound you in the position that you're in, in the place that you are, looking at your surroundings now. You're saying, I don't have enough. Well, the word says he's not going to just give you enough. He's going to give you an abundance that you have more than enough. <coughs> I was spray painting yesterday and I inhaled some paint. So he says, it's not Corona. <clears throat> Strengthen your stakes, extend your cords, pull your curtains out as far as it can go. And watch what God is about to do because he's about to bring an abundance in your life. I know you're watching today and you're saying, you know, I'm challenged with this and I need his abundance. I need change to take place in my life. And if you're at the place where you're needing change, then start preparing yourself for that change. Start dressing the part, start talking the part, start looking the part. When David went on that field, he went out as a king, not as a shepherd boy. He went to the king's tent, and the king wanted to dress him <clears throat> like a king. And David said, no, I'm not going to go out there mimicking a king. I'm going to go out there performing as a king. And so when God begins to speak to your life, start performing as though you've already been there. And when you walk out on the field and you slay your giant, you can enter into your palace. I say this many times, slay your giants and take your spoils. You have to go and conquer the enemy. You have to go in and conquer the giant that comes out. He conquered the lion that came out on the field to steal one of his father's sheep. He conquered the bear that came to steal from him. You know, there's a lot of things that we deal with that we're comfortable in the natural to deal with. But we need to get comfortable in dealing with things in the spirit too. And when the enemy comes in your mind and tells you that you're no, you're no good and you can't do this and you can't do that, you need to tell him to shut up. You need to tell him to back off or you need to slay him right there. I'm for the third part there. Slay him. So he can't say anything to you anymore. Slay him so you can go into your palace. Today, I guess I'll come here with an attitude. 
But you got to have an attitude if you're going to be a believer. You got to have an attitude that you're going to win and then you're going to enter into your destiny. And nothing is going to stop you from entering into what God's purpose is for your life. Get a little bit of fight in you. The word says we'd wrestle not against flesh and blood, so don't take it out on people. You take it out on principalities and powers and spiritual wickedness that's in high places. That's where your battle is. And when you understand how to engage in the realms of the spirit, those things are going to begin to come down in your life. And you're going to conquer. In other words, as the word says, I wish above all things that you would prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. So don't be a wimp in the spirit. Get up and begin to fight the enemy that's coming against your soul so your soul can prosper. Now, I'm supposed to say something kind. I want to thank you for joining today. And I hope that this message has challenged you. And I hope that if anything that it begins to move you to a place that you know what your enemy is and you know what your destiny is and you don't allow your enemy to stand in between you and your destiny. We're praying for you and believing God has some great things in store for you. And we want to thank you for joining us today. Tuesday night, I'm already geared up for Tuesday night. Uh, I've got a message we're going to be bringing to the table and begin to talk about some things, so I'm not going to tell you about it, because if I do, I'll start preaching it right now. It's so in me right now. But I want you to begin, I want you to join us Tuesday night at 7 o'clock on Facebook or YouTube or whatever means that we're on, which is beyond me, what all they have us on, Twitter and Periscope, Parachute or whatever it is. But anyway, be there, and we're going to have a good time. Amen? God bless you. We love you, and we'll see you soon.